The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. I thank you for the applause and not groaning because I know you're used to Matt and his high skills and everything, and, and this is old school. You know, he, Matt has last week a video with an authoritative English voice reading the Bible. I bring an a old-fashioned crash nativity scene. I, I figure this worked for me in the kindergarten. I'm going to keep going with it. <laughs> Show and tell, still here. And the other thing is, uh, Matt, Matt would probably have this as a hologram or something like that. <laughs> and, and me, I'm always very fearful I'm going to hit the wrong button on the remote and be totally lost. You know, that shows how spoiled I am when my great fears in life is hitting the wrong button on the remote, never being able to get the TV back going. So, uh, but it, uh, well, you know, there's differences between Matt and me. He's young, I'm old, he's got a full beard, I've just got a mustache, he's got hair, I'm in my bad hair decade for the fourth time, you know. It's not, it's not uh, easy doing this. And, and also, I, I, I wandered around and screwed up the first service, so they put an X here for me. <laughs> That 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 made me think. He was talking last week. He said, "Matt is so humble." He's saying, "Even a donkey could do this." And I thought, "Am I here because he couldn't get a donkey or something?" <laughs> and so I'm on the X this time. <laughs> but uh, despite not having the techno technological skills, my wife says I'm a technotard. But I, you know, it's kind of hard to. <laughs> get any better, but we'll, we'll talk about someone who's far better than me, that, uh, that's Joseph, and Joseph uh, is an adoptive father, and I think uh, he seems to be the forgotten man of the Christmas story. Everybody talks about Mary, there's a lot more written about Mary, Joseph, there's a few provisions or a few sections here, we'll read them all, won't take very long, about two minutes and we're done with Joseph, but there's a lot more substance to him when we get into the Bible and understand what he did and how he did it. And I think adoptive fathers tend maybe to get a little short shrift, less credit than they deserve. And I just say that because I am an adoptive father. I got two adoptive kids. Uh, and uh, it reminds me when, I, when we adopted, and I know the process we went through, if everybody had to go through that, there'd be fewer people on the earth. It, it was a lot of, we had the diaper dolls and stuff like that, which I thought was totally a waste of time. You know, I, real babies don't uh, do what dolls do. They they wiggle and do other things when you're trying to diaper them. And uh, the other, they told us things too. They said, always tell your child they're adopted because the worst thing that can happen to them is they learn later in life that they've been adopted. Then that shatters their world and they wonder what else you didn't tell them and they're rocked and some of them don't recover and it's a major blow that some of them really suffer from their entire life. And so say, we got it. We'll tell our child that that uh, he's adopted. So we read books to him, told him stories, and kept doing all this, and he seemed to get it, you know, like he was two years old, and he was talking, and we were at a neighbor's party, and uh, our son was there, and he was doing what little kids do when they get tired, but they still eat, eat a little bit, fall asleep, get up, eat a little bit more, fall asleep. He did this about four times. Finally, a neighbor comes up and goes, Matthew, are you tired? And he goes, no, I'm adopted. Someone put his head back. <laughs> I said, I think he's got it. <laughs> so uh, the other thing you, you learn is people say, um, you know, you're not, are you the real father? 
well, you say, I'm diapering them and paying all these bills and all that stuff. Uh, I'm there. And uh, so real fathers, adopt, adopted fathers may get a little less credit than that. And Joseph, as an adopted father, really was following something that God does. If we move to the passage out of Ephesians 1.5, actually, God is the model as the adoptive father. This passage out of Paul, he said, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So uh, the adoptive father model is one that God models. You know, And uh, what we're going to learn about is uh, Joseph, he was a model of an adoptive father, but he was a very good Christian father. And uh, we're going to learn about why and how he was a good Christian father by getting back into the Word. And uh, we're going to stay close to it today, talk about it. And we're going to begin with Matthew 1.18 through 25, which is the first message that we have about Joseph. And it's the passage. We're going to be just in Matthew and Luke today, the beginning of both books. Real easy to keep up today. Not a tough one. So Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So what we first learn about Joseph is he's facing some pretty tough times, tough times. And uh, to understand this passage, you really need to understand the marriage customs and practices of that time. They're different than what we have today. Marriages tended to be arranged versus chosen, and the typical or the process was you became betrothed to your future husband or future wife, and then the woman spent a year or so with her own parents while the man went back to his home and built additional rooms or prepared additional things or built up the dowry he had to pay in order to have uh, the marriage. And then the marriage uh, would be uh, actually finalized through a big celebration where the man would go and get his wife, and there'd be a big parade and seven days of feasting and drinking wine and in fact, Jesus' first uh, miracle was making wine for a, a marriage. Huge celebration. But during that year, you were considered to be basically married. The only way you could separate, it wasn't like you can send a text breaking off engagements now. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> what you, uh, you Basically, it was a serious legal commitment. And it says that Joseph found out about this and... He had to be totally humiliated, he had to be feel like a total fool. In fact, I went to the Internet, the source of all wisdom, truth, and justice, <laughs> and somebody uh, uh, put on this question, seeking that wisdom, truth, and justice, 
um, and said, why is so little attention given to Joseph, Jesus's foster father or whatever he was? And the best answer was, because everyone knows that Joseph was a gullible fool. Who cares about the life of a gullible fool? That's, that's the number one answer. That was sent in by Methane Mama. <laughs> what seemed appropriate. I thought there was a lot of hot gas in that answer, but... Uh, but uh, we find, well, we're not, we're not going to take Methane Mama's course here, but look into Joseph a little, little more deeply. So he obviously was humiliated, I mean, and, uh, and, but he was, such, he was a nice guy. He could have gone to the judges, had her stoned, killed. That was that serious a violation. But he didn't. He had a dream. Angel came and said, she's been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and you have a son. You're to name him Jesus. You're to be the adoptive father. And, and people, I think, just kind of read right through that, like take that for granted. Think about that. Think about how strong your faith has to be for you to see it that way and how attuned to God's Word you'd have to be. If it were me, I got a dream like that, I'd go, I can't eat burritos after midnight anymore. <laughs> you know, or, or that skunky wine, I got to get out of that. And I don't. <laughs> but not him. You know, he was so tuned in that he could do the right thing. And he not only did the right thing in not divorcing her, he brought her to his home immediately. And so she didn't have to go through the personal embarrassment and humiliation of people saying, have you seen that baby bump? I don't know. (laughs) The inquiring minds want to know. You know, people talked and they counted months and they did all that. By bringing her in, he helped her. Think of the support that he gave her during a very, very tough time. So the message here about, so that uh, getting into the uh, message here about Joseph is he was willing to follow God's instructions despite these really strong adverse social pressures. That's a great thing for men to do. You think about the pressures to go drinking with the guys or the pressures to spend more time with work or the pressures that sometimes men feel just to, up and go. Those kids are crying. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to the bar. That's what men tend to do. But Joseph wasn't that kind of guy, stand-up guy. Despite the social pressures, besides guys saying, hmm. and you think about him when they, he's saying, well, what's this deal? You took in Mary and she looks pregnant. Well, let me tell you about this dream I had. The guys are probably going, you into that skunky wine again? I'm not sure. <laughs> but he was willing to put up with that kind of pressure. And, uh, modeled that for us. Let's move on then. And we're, now we're going to move into uh, a Luke passage. Luke is, uh, we'll see, more of a historian. Well, Matthew was writing mainly to a Jewish audience trying to show them how he, uh, Jesus complied with Scripture, and that's why we you see some of those things. Now we're going to the beginning of Luke 2, 1 through 7. And this is the famous story everybody reads at Christmas. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no room for them in the inn. And thinking about that passage, first you see Luke the historian. And if people say, oh, this is a myth, I struggle with the virgin birth. Well, as Matt said last week, if you struggle with a virgin birth, you struggle with God. If a God can create the universe, he can do a virgin birth. And if you struggle with God, then you've got to believe the earth came out of nothing. That's a bigger struggle for me. But that's another teaching. <laughs> I don't have time for that. We're on the clock. But at the beginning here, Luke starts out with a historical reference. He was writing to an audience who could still identify with him. So people could go back and check it. Is that kind of confidence in his writing. And then we see that uh, Luke um, says that they went to Bethlehem. And it talks about Joseph being in the line of David. So he actually, the line of David that Jesus was from, actually comes through Joseph to Mary. And so he had a special role. And as, as Matt talked about last week, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And Joseph is just one more example of that. In fact, that line includes uh, Rahab, a prostitute, and Bathsheba, an adulteress, and Rehoboam, a very evil king. I mean, all types became a part of the line. And then they said they got to, the, got to Bethlehem, and there's no room in the inn. That's kind of the way I think too many of us have look at Christmas, where we get all comfortable in our houses and our TVs and our stereos and our presents and our tree, and there's a lot of bad stuff happening out there, and just shut it out. You think about people that would just kind of push away a woman ready to give birth and send her to a barn. It's real easy to do. And so that, I think that was the first humiliation Christ had, and he had a whole life of them. You think of the God of the universe who was in the most glorious place, came down to be born in a place where he couldn't even get room at the end. And he was actually born in a, a stable. This is my prop. I'm so proud of it. Actually, you, you see this nice carved wood, polished, and you got Mary and Joseph looking over here and some animals and lambs and the three wise men and all. And people think, I'm a Christian. I'm going to have this out here. This is, you know, I'm not going to have that six-foot mechanical sand that's doing the twist or something like that. I'm going to have one of these things to show how holy I am. But looking at this, this is wrong on so many levels, not just the star on the roof. But the wise men, they weren't there for a couple of months. And this place is polished and clean. It wasn't wood. It was probably black suit because they burnt fires to keep themselves warm. And the ground probably had a lot of remnants of sheep being there. A very dirty, ugly, filthy, desperately poor kind of place. The shepherds came. We know that. We look at that as, again, the sign of a happy little farm setting or something. The shepherds, to the Jews, that was the lowest social class. The reason those guys were out watching their sheep is they were afraid the other shepherds are going to steal them. I mean, they were down. The very lowest were the witnesses with the angels. And so then you have Mary, kind of like this, reverentially. Think about this. This woman just gave birth without any medication. <laughs> Women that have given birth with medication, do you do this? <laughs> She's probably laying flat out. Uh, who, who do you think actually had to, do, to work on delivering the baby? Probably Joseph. Probably Joseph. I mean, that's what people did in those times, and we tend to, well, he maybe went out for a smoke. No. <laughs> no. I mean, he had to deal with it. So really, he was very important, and we move to the next slide. He was present when Mary really needed him. That's what a Christian man does. 
when the family is struggling. You've got to be there. There is no substitute for being there. There's no room in the end. Joseph's got to do it. Let's move on. And so Jesus is now eight days old, and, and during that time you think Joseph's got to be working, doing something to support his family and scrambling and probably going, why didn't he pick somebody else for that dream? I, you know, this, is, this is tough, tough, tough duty. So we move uh, back to Matthew uh, 2.13. It said, On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. What's this tell us? Well, here is Joseph again, having to go through the uh, birth of his adopted son, uh, desperately poor, still following God's word. On the eighth day, he goes and has Jesus circumcised. On the 40th, goes actually to the temple in Jerusalem and makes sacrifices. And again, following Levitical law, there were two things. One is when a child was born, you consecrated your firstborn to the Lord. And that's the first fruits doctrine, and we'll, we'll talk about that other times. Secondly, there was a purification ceremony for new mothers. After 40 days, you were considered, you went through the ceremony to become ritually clean again after the birth, part of the healing process. But in order to do that, you had to make a sacrifice. You'd go to the temple and, and do what you could do, and uh, they would sell the animals there, and it was a way the temple could make a little money and keep self-sustaining and and Joseph did it. You think about all the hardships he'd been through. It'd be real easy for me to say, but God doesn't need my two pigeons. <laughs> you know, I got a lot bigger problems than this. But he did. He uh, was willing to make the financial sacrifice to do that. And so, I mean, he complied with God's rules, even with the financial suffering and sacrifice he had to make. It's kind of hard for us to understand how desperately poor that is. Uh, we have the agape dinner here, a great thing for the homeless, and I don't want this to be misinterpreted or misunderstood, but when I look at the people there, they're, if they miss that meal, they're not desperately poor compared to the kind of people we're talking about here in Joseph and Mary. They, we have food stamps, and we have other things, and I'm glad we do, and I'm glad people aren't that poor, and I've traveled in parts of the world where they are. I remember being in India once, talking to an Indian manager saying, he was talking about a desperately poor part of India, and he said, I said, if you could just get some jobs in there, and he said, it wouldn't work. I said, why not? And he said, they only get 700 calories a day. They get protein once a week. They can't work. They can't work. And so we're not used to that kind of desperate poverty. Joseph was. He still made the financial sacrifice of buying the pigeons, the minimum, but he did. And I, and I think that models it for us, too. While this church and Matt especially, doesn't pass a plate, doesn't make a big deal about putting money in the box, very cool about all that, and wants cheerful givers, no pressure and no guilt trips, and please don't take that from me. That's part of Christian life, is to make financial sacrifices to support your church. Think about this this Christmas, and maybe think about this church, Marine Creek, in your Christmas gifts. Good thing to do, very good thing to do. Now let's, let's uh, move on then, and we, we now get into the, 
the time with uh, Herod, and we were, Matt talked about that two weeks ago, that Herod actually went out and had the 20 babies killed, and I was thinking about that. Uh, we still have that today, unfortunately, in Connecticut. Very, very horrible thing. The difference is at least it's not institutional power doing it that can get away with it. It's deranged people that do it, but evil still exists. We still face these terrible challenges, and this heartbreak still occurs. But uh, Herod, but Joseph again was called to uh, rise to the occasion. And if we go back and uh, look in Matthew 2.13, we learn about that. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Let's skip the Herod stuff here and move to 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, it's his third of four dreams, and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life were dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, the fourth, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Again, Matthew, very uh, careful to make sure that he documents all these fulfilled prophecies to show that uh, Jesus was the, the true Christ. Well, what do we learn about Joseph from this passage? Well, he's still listening to God, still being reached through dreams, and he was willing here to go to a place that the Jews absolutely feared, Egypt. All through history, they learned about the slavery, the bondage, the mistreatment. They learned the story of Moses, of their liberation. And Egypt was a foreign place, different government, different language. And it would be a very, very hard place to go. But Joseph, again, willing to follow God's instructions. He was willing to relocate to protect his family's security. Another thing a Christian man should do, being willing to move to take a job or willing to do thing, move his commuting time to keep his family in a secure place or otherwise put up with the hardship of entering the unknown or, or taking risks or being willing to really go out of his way to protect his family's security and do it quickly. And I, and I think about this season too. There are men and women who are willing to look at this entire country as their family and go overseas in the military. And we ought to especially be thankful and prayerful for them during this time. They don't have Christmas here. But great people do that, and it's a model of what we should do. We should be willing to relocate, protect our families. That's what it's all about. And it also, this passage also said that, that he, Joseph had two more dreams and returned. He went to Nazareth. That was to fulfill the prophecy. But it was also had special meaning to the Jews of the day. Again, Jesus, in the most humble of circumstances, Nazareth had a very bad reputation. It was the outpost of the northwest garrison of the Roman military, and they gambled and had brothels and all that sort of thing. It was also about two miles from the Herodian city of Sepphoris, which was built during that time. 
big uh, city of stone and Greek theater and Greek Olympics and all that sort of thing, which disgusted the Jews. It's very possible, we don't know, that Joseph and Jesus may have been carpenters there. Carpenters, not in our sense, but in the sense of that day, probably more like stonemasons because there was very little wood. Most of the stuff, stone. Wood was for the very rich cedars of Lebanon. I mean, this is a desert kind of area. But he fulfilled the prophecy and was willing to relocate to protect his family's security like a, a true a Christian man should do. And, and so we uh, conclude kind of going back and looking at the last mention that we have of Joseph and the uh, only time that we hear anything about Jesus' childhood. If we go to Luke 2.41, the, the boy Jesus at the temple Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover, which was still occurring during the Holy Week. That's exactly what happened when Jesus entered Jerusalem before he was crucified. When he was 12 years old, that's Jesus, they went up to the feast according to custom. When the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus said, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in custom and stature. Actually, statements like Jesus treasured all, or his mother treasured all these things in his heart make scholars think that Luke actually interviewed Mary and that we know so much more about her because of that and that Joseph was probably dead, and she told him, well, Joseph had these dreams. And that's how we learn from the Bible. But getting into this again, what do we learn about Joseph here? Well, he's an involved father. He is uh, taking his child, raising him in the faith, following the Jewish customs, finding he's a caring father. Losing your kid isn't fun. I've done that one. <laughs> Obviously very concerned, and I kind of identify with him and Mary. We, we never see our kids grow up quite as fast as they see themselves, and I think this passage has always been read showing how Jesus is becoming ultimately the the, the Savior and the mature, but I, I look at it from Joseph's perspective. He was uh, trying to watch out for his kid, didn't really appreciate it, didn't marry. And, but we learned one other thing I think is interesting, that he, Jesus went back with them and obeyed him. And Jesus lived a perfect life. So what can, does that imply about Joseph's parenting skills? That'd be pretty good. If he obeyed him and he lived a sinless life, had to be very good. So he raised his family in the faith, and he was a very involved father. Another model. There is no substitute for Christian men to put time with their family. Gifts and toys and money and all the video games in the world aren't going to make up for a lack of time. It just doesn't work that way. And it's something to remember at the Christmas season when we try to substitute too often things for time just not nearly going to work. You have to be there. Like he was there at the birth, have to be there through the whole deal. That's the last 
we know about Joseph. There's nothing else written in the Bible about him. We know that he and Mary had a family that included James, who became one of the early leaders of the church with Paul. So he obviously had an impact there too. But we think that he was dead by the time that Jesus' ministry started. He's not mentioned while Mary is. But uh, that shouldn't diminish really the important role that he had. We get to the last slide here. He had really a unique role as an adoptive father. God was the ultimate adoptive father, but you can see a very uniquely important role and truly underappreciated, I think. And I hope my goal today was you appreciate that a little bit more, understand that a little bit more, look at, Jesus, uh, look at Joseph a little differently. Not that he's greater than Mary or anything like that, but that he tends to be the forgotten man. But in reality, he's a very, very important man in bringing Christ's salvation story into reality. So let's close with prayer. God, uh, we thank you for this chance to uh, get together today and study your word and study the Christmas story and study Joseph. And we thank you for Joseph and we thank you for the things that he did as a Christian man and as a Christian leader. We thank you for him really uh, withstanding the social pressures that he did to do the right thing, for being available to Mary when she was giving birth and desperately needed it for being willing to follow your word and at great financial sacrifice at a time of his own uh, real desperate poverty and difficulty, and that he was a, a man willing to follow your word to go to a foreign country, the one most feared by the Jews because you told him to do it, and, and that he was a father that was involved in raising his son and, and uh, obviously did a wonderful job, Lord. And we, we thank you for the, this time to be here together for this Christmas season and and just pray that as Christian men, that instead of things that our gift to our families can be to be more like Joseph in these areas and less caught up in the trappings of the season. And thank you for this church and pray that we'll do the kind of things you want us to do, say the kind of things you want us to say, and be the kind of people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.